Welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Desiree Martins. Every week, I'm going to be showing up in your earbuds to inspire you on your YouTube journey with killer interviews with women YouTube creators, deep dives into the inner workings of how YouTube works, and discussing all the things about YouTube culture and the impact it is having on our world. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with VidIQ, where they help you maximize your videos to YouTube reach by studying titles, descriptions, tags, and playlists relevant to your subject matter, while also studying your competitors to help you know exactly what you should be doing for your YouTube growth. So if you're a female creator looking to grow your channel, level up your content, and learn from the best women creators on the platform to get you on your way to YouTube success and future-proofing your income, this is the perfect place for you. Let's do this. I am so excited to talk with you. I'm excited every episode. I'm pretty sure every time someone listens to the post introduction, I'm like, I'm so excited because I am. I always get so hyped to talk with new cool people that do new cool things. And Sarah is going to teach us how to harness our empathy into like effective videos. And this is going to be a masterclass for me that I desperately need because I am anti-feelings. So you're right. I hope you're ready. I'm going to be like your hard-headed case study, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I think I welcome the challenge. Bring it on. Definitely. It's not, um, it's not foreign to me in terms of some of the clients that I work with and how things start versus how they end. So all good. All right. Well, before I lay on your couch, tell us, Sarah, why video? (laughs) Video from a storytelling perspective is incredibly powerful at being able to convey your message to, to show you, to help people to get to like, like know and trust you as we all hear like know and trust, but it's growing so much in the storytelling space. It is super effective and it's definitely a part of the content ecosystem um, that companies that brands, both personal brands or, you know, big brands, all of the whole gamut should be, should be looking at. Okay. So share with us, what is it that you do? Yeah. So I think of it like, you know, how you like really get engrossed into like a great Netflix show or a great book or an online video and you just get sucked in, right? That's because our brains are wired for stories and it's just how we're built. We're wired for stories. And so that's what I do. I help companies, I help brands really clarify their marketing messages and figure out like what stories should they share? How do they convey it in a way that will better connect with their audience. And I talk about connecting heart to heart and mind to mind because it's both. It's logic and emotion. And so I'm a freelance brand storytelling strategist. So companies will hire me to come on in and help them do all those things, you know, so they can get more time back in their day and ultimately actually create content that their audience wants to consume because we don't want to waste money, right? We don't want to waste time. Good Lord, time is so valuable, like focusing on the wrong things. And so um, so I help do consulting work with that. And then I also um, have some online courses where I teach people how to think more like an editorial director themselves. Um, so I have a Brand Storytelling Academy group program. And then I have like a mini course called Brand Storytelling Blueprint. And then I'm also the host of Marketing with Empathy, which is a podcast that's in the top 5% of all marketing podcasts right now. I'm really excited. And um, that's been going on for two years now. A labor of love for sure. As you know, it's a, it's a lot of work pulling all these things together, but I absolutely love it. So helping um, you know convey that message to really help others and content marketers specifically better just navigate this world of brand storytelling and to do it better and to just kind of be like that mentor in their ear. Um, um, to help guide them on in their career journey. 
Oh my gosh. There's so many like things to dive into and stuff. Okay. And I think that my first question is what is the pain point someone is experiencing that leads them to you? Yeah. So the biggest thing is that you, most marketers, <laughs> most, I'll say not all, but most marketers, especially content marketers, they just lack the time and the people resources to be able to do storytelling really well. So usually what's happening is it's kind of something that's been stuck on a to-do list for a while. They just don't have the brain power, whether it's like maybe they don't have the knowledge set, right? Or just the time to like get to it and really think about it. And usually they don't really know what to focus on and like where to start. Um, and so it just doesn't get done or they're launching content kind of haphazardly and their business has stalled. They need to figure out a way to better connect with their audience space to drive better business results. So that's, that's what drives people to me. Okay. So someone comes to you, what is like the first thing that you are helping them work through? Yeah. Well, it really will run the gamut. My clients vary. Um, <clears throat> I have, you know, year long multi-year retainers that I do with some accounts where I'm literally kind of a member of their team being like a rental editor in chief doing a lot of different things. And then I have folks that are, are booking a day rate where I'm doing um, a messaging session. So I'm, I'm a certified story brand guide as well. And so I'll go through this whole um, framework to really unpack and clarify their marketing messages. So the foundational thing then I would say is as I answer your question, like of that whole range of all the different things is going to be that like foundational messaging session. Um, so I'm going through and we're going through and really asking a ton of questions to help teams, to help or individuals, depending on the size, just all get on the same page and really get to the root of what are those things that, um, excuse me, what are you trying to do for your audience? Who is your audience? Um, what pain points are you solving for your audience? Because that's the big thing is that there's so many different competitors that do all the similar kinds of different things as, as you, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of the world we live in, which is great. And, but there's also a lot of different people <laughs> out there that can choose which ones they want to work with. And people will pick not always the best product. Be, they will pick what they think is the best product that they know about to solve their problem. And so the words you use, the content and the stories that you share, that's what's helping to convey you and why you are better. So it's not okay. just like having the best product alone or service isn't always going to be able to make be what stand, helps you stand out from the competition. So yeah, so that first that discovery session is um, really about getting to the foundation of, you know, who you serve, the problems you solve for your customer base, um, understanding better um, nuances about what has been working, what hasn't been working, you know, and then you start to hone in on being able to know what to dig deeper into and also what are those sweet spots um, uh, across the board. So summarize answer of like a very complex process, but I make it really simple. Um, you know, the biggest thing is like most people just haven't sat down to think about it, like really think about it or there's a differing opinions within an organization. So it's important to get those decision makers in the same room or on the same call, you know, and being able to actually strategically hash it out so that there is focus and clarity because I spent the, like um, majority of my career, I worked inside corporate and then I worked a bit in agency side and then I've been running my own business now. 
as a consulting strategist here for the last four years. So right before COVID started when I is when I started it. And it is so painful when you don't have focus and clarity within like a, a company, no matter what the size is, because everyone's kind of going all over the place and you're really confused. You don't know what you should be talking about. And there just isn't cohesiveness. Well, guess what? If you're confused and your customer's confused and you're definitely losing out on opportunity to drive sales or um, if you're a nonprofit to drive, um, you know, bookings and volunteers or donations and things like that for um, from your audience base. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's so many like parts and, and things come back. One of the things that I did strike a nerve with me was you're talking about figuring out what they should sell. Why, why do they need help with this? Like, I know it sounds like a very dumb question. Like, yep. like, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like, and I, and I do, I struggle with this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is what I talk about all the time. This is what I do all the time. I've been doing it for 14 years. I've been a social media manager for 14 years. And if people aren't signing up for service with me, they want to know like how they can do it too. So for me, it makes sense to sell things to make it easy for them to do. But those don't sell really great. Um, a lot of times, like I literally just either have people come to me for free stuff or they're like coming for the agency and there's not a lot in between, or I can like sneak in like affiliate marketing and stuff that they're like, Oh, I like this tool she's talking about that we need. How do we know what we should sell? Like, what are the things that we should listen to or problems that we should solve that could, could help with this? Yeah, yeah. And this is where the focus comes into a huge need because there's, there's, there's so many different things. And usually when I start the conversations with my clients, there's a big list and of problems that you solve and things that you do. And so what you want to do is you want to write them all down and then you're going to look for like an overarching umbrella and like one you know, a few main big problems. And with problems, um, so I'll walk through is there's kind of like three different types of problems. You have like an external problem, an internal problem, and like more of like a philosophical problem. And if you can unpack each of those for your customer base and really hone in on one, that's going to be clearer in your communications. And the thing with just honing in on one is it doesn't mean you're ignoring all the other ones in maybe some other pieces of content, but holistically, big picture, the one you should talk about the most is like an overarching one that can touch on a lot of different things, you know, because so generally, like if people are listing on a lot of different things, it can ladder back up to something kind of similar. Okay, well, that problem, actually, these three things still kind of this big overarching one leads to these other things, you know, so you sort of, um, you start to whittle it down, you know, um, yeah. but that is the biggest thing I would say and is that you have to focus. <laughs> and we hear this all the time online, right? We hear this all the time with as guidance of like, you know, don't stretch yourself too thin, focus on niches, like hone in on different, you know, specific. It's so true in storytelling because as well, because, and it's actually great because it's, it's less work for you because you don't have to try to talk about, you know, 20 different things. You can hone in on like a few specific pillars and then within those. And so um, you, you just, you're, the reason is, is because our brain, brains 
we're going to tune out if you start talking about way too much. So if your company starts talking all about you and all about like the 10 different things you can solve for them and, and, and goes on and on and on and on. When we hear a long winded story, we just tune out. And that's so true in video, right? I mean, it's like, why you need that hook. You need to like keep people engaged. You need to keep like steps one, two, three, or things like that throughout because it helps to can keep that audience brain engaged because <clears throat> Our brains actually, like when we think and when we're doing like active thinking, your brain is actually burning calories. Okay. And I didn't actually be like, we get so tired. Yeah. That's why you get so tired. Like if you're really engrossed in something and afterwards you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Your brain is burning calories. But guess what? Our brains, like their job is to help like our bodies survive right so that's why our brain like wants to avoid danger and we have like all these things in life well if your brain starts to like have a hear a conversation or something that and it's really long and it's not clear and it doesn't hook them with like okay well what is this how does this have to deal with me it's mm -hmm. completely gonna tune it out it's like going to a starbucks and you walk into a starbucks you there are specific things in that store that you know. You know where the where the register is, where you need to go up and order. You need to, you know where you need to go get your drinks. You may know where the bathroom is, and you know where the exit is, right? You don't yeah. go in and notice every little minute detail of every aspect of that store and of the back room and of like the drive-through area and what type of headsets they're wearing and oh, what color is that person's shoes that works here? You know, like we don't we tune those things out because it's not necessary to our survival. So. From a storytelling perspective, you need to really hone in on like those specific things for your audience. And I can give you a great example kind of of how the framework works that I, I walk people through. So like I mentioned, I'm a certified story brand guide. And so story brand is like the seven part framework um, that helps clarify these marketing messages. It's like um, I think of it like a one two punch of what I do with clients. So the first foundational is like this story brand framework where we get the marketing message foundation figured out because then all of that can be used across all of your marketing channels, email, website, your social channels, video content, all the things. But then I also come in as an editorial strategist for editorial non-promotional content to say, okay, well now what are all the stories? you're going to talk about for the whole year what are your storytelling pillars and things so that's like one two punch okay so story brand first punch um the seven part framework is okay if i walk you through really quickly of kind of the seven parts because i think it oh. helps to bring it to um life. yes look okay. i'm really sorry to interrupt but did you know that youtube is the world's second biggest search engine Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but that's why every creator truly needs to be using vidIQ to grow their YouTube channel. vidIQ's tech helps you tailor your video ideas to match what people are searching for right now on YouTube. And once you're ready to upload, well, it starts optimizing and getting you all the details that you need to make sure your videos are getting noticed. If you really wanna dive in more and get started for free, please head over to thewomenofyoutube.com forward slash vidIQ to get started on this YouTube YouTube channel changing tool that is going to make things so much easier for you. All right, let's get back to it. Okay. Go for it. The floor is yours, ma'am. All right, perfect. Okay. So the, the first thing is, um, so seven parts, right guys. Okay. So first is you have a character. So this character is your customer and it, 
this is where the big difference in what comes across in storytelling is what companies think about who, of who's the character and who's the guide. And most companies do this backwards. Most companies talk all about themselves. They're the hero of the story. And it and guess what? Your customer's brain tuning you out. Okay. So what this story brand framework does is it actually flips it so that it makes your customer the hero and your company um, you the guide that helps make their story come to life and it's so contrary to how most brands talk that it really does help you stand out more <clears throat> and uh -huh. so the first step then is you have a character so that's your your customer and they have a problem okay and like we were talking about you solve their problem. It's going to make them want to listen to you, um, big or small. Like we all have reasons we buy or do actions with different brands, right? So they have a problem. and But guess what? They, they meet a guide. So that's you, your company. They meet a guide who gives them a plan, a really nice, clear, do one, two, three plan, and calls them to action in a way that will help them avoid failure and be successful and ends, it, everything ends in success. So that's the seven steps. You have a character who has a problem. They meet a guide who gives them a plan, calls them to action, um, helps them avoid failure and everything ends it's in success. And actually, if you watch like every, every movie from now on, they all follow this script. You know, it's not just um, our, our, our short videos online or, or things with that we can talk about elsewhere, but like every single successful movie script follows this, um, you know, format that the hero of the story usually in the beginning is maybe they're kind of pathetic. They have problems. They're lost. They don't know what to do. Um, but then there is this guide that helps them, you know, go along in their journey. And, 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 and ultimately that's, what's interesting. We want to see that transformation. And so from a story perspective, that is kind of that first facet. Oh my gosh. There's so many things like an oversimplified version of kind of what you had said with like being the guide and stuff yeah. is you are Gandalf to their Frodo. 100%. You are, you are guiding Frodo to Mordor. You are not like the yes. hero in this journey. You are a support care. You are the old man with knowledge. Yeah. Yep. 100%. I mean, literally every movie you'll watch, you'll you'll like see this. And some stories even have two guides. Like like I think in um, Star Wars, like there's, there's kind of multi-characters that help guide the heroes along in their journeys usually. But like we were just watching, I was watching with my kids the new um, – Shazam movie mm. and like Shazam this character frame who hasn't watched it but like it's I won't give any spoilers but like he Shazam the superhero guy his guide is like the his best friend this other kid um and now I can't remember his name but he's the kid that walks on the crutches that's his guide he's the one that's helping him really step into being a superhero and what does this mean and being more responsible like so we're not talking necessarily on this show about, um, you know, I don't work with people to make big motion picture movies, but it's the same in life with stories. We're interested in hearing more about how we can solve our own issues. And, you know, will it get solved? Won't it get solved? You know, those kind of things. And so, um, so that's really kind of the first facet. And then I'd love to address like another part then of what you had asked me before or mentioned about empathy and how the heck does empathy play into all of this? Well, when I talk about empathy and on marketing with empathy on my podcast, we get into this too with, with our guests and with myself. But the big thing with empathy when I'm talking about it is cognitive empathy. So cognitive oh, empathy yeah. is 
all about the ability to try to understand what someone else is feeling or thinking. It's not saying you're a mind reader. We're not mind readers by any means, but it's trying to understand. And so there's a lot of ways you can go in from storytelling, which I help my clients do this too, where I kind of think of myself as like a content investigator and you go through all sorts of data and insights and reports and just voice of customer and what different people are saying or what reports are saying and studies, et cetera. And you're mm-hmm. mashing it all together to try to get a really under like a better picture to try to understand what your customer is thinking or feeling. So that's what where empathy comes in. And so I have um, I would say there's like four different types of empathy filters that I bring up. There's probably definitely more of these. I just I I made these up because um, I haven't seen like a formal list of types of empathy filters. But like one empathy filter is data informed. So this definitely speaks, I would say, to your brain where you're like, you don't want to get into feelings, like get into the way. Well, guess what? You can understand a heck of a lot about what your customer is thinking or feeling by just looking at data. And it is the perfect marriage of data with empathy. It gives you amazing stories. And so data informed is like, you know, you're looking, you get some stats and you see um, 46% of our audience has high school aged kids living at home. That's a fact. You know, it's like something you know about your community. Um, versus then SEO informed empathy filters. I love looking at SEO insights of what people are searching in, what they're looking for, you know, Um, because then you can get into even deeper where you can say, oh my gosh, there's a really large volume of people who are searching for ways to better communicate with their teenagers. So we went from knowing they have high school age kids and now we're seeing a lot of search information telling us they need help communicating with their kids, with their teens specifically. Wow. Like talk about that. It's like a really rich, like parent emotion and struggle and pain point that you could address within the the content that you're talking about. Um, Another example of an empathy filter is um, human informed empathy. And so this is like shared feelings we can relate to with each other. Um, Like for me, my my like go to with this one is always that without fail, I always end up picking the slowest checkout line at the grocery store. <laughs> like, I just do. It's like, I, it's so frustrating. And when I bring that up, people are like, yes, I've got oh, so it. All- it's intentional. You just like accidentally do it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, be- so people understand that feeling um, of like freaking A, I got like the slowest checkout person. And I thought this was going to be the quickest line. Or um, Spotify had done a great digital content series with that video as well. It was hilarious um, around that shared feeling of waiting in the car until it a great song finishes. And so they d- played humor into their storytelling series. It was beautiful. They had all these funny moments of when people were in their car jamming out to a great song, you know, on Spotify, and they just didn't want to get out of their car. And there were all moments of like, you dude, you need to get out of your car. You know, you should not be in your car my, right my, now. My son's nine. He does it. He's like, I'm waiting the song's over. I'm like, yes. But See, I so- want to inside. <laughs> yes. So what a beautiful moment of like, that's empathy. That's like, understanding like a shared human experience. Mm-hmm. And then there's also nostalgia. So nostalgia informed, informed empathy um, is such a powerful um, empathy filter. These are key life moments and experiences that people go through together. It's why, you know, people growing up in the same decade, or maybe they grew up 
having the same favorite cartoon or toy. Um, they went through a crisis together. You know, like the pandemic's going to have a lot of shared nostalgic memories down the road, right, that we look back on. But this is why you keep seeing all these remakes of shows or, or, or like spinoffs of things. Like we like to go back to like understand because it creates like these feel-good chemicals in our brain of remembering, oh, yeah, what that was like um, when it's a positive thing, especially like, you know, growing up back in this decade and the music we watched and the clothes we wore, you know, and things like that. So nostalgia is incredibly powerful too. So like with that, if you knew your audience was all of a certain age range um, and they all grew up in a certain time frame, you know, those kind of reference points back that they would understand that's a great way to connect with them heart to heart, mind to mind, because they're going to get that, you know, and, and they might appreciate yeah, American Girl just did this. They launched their new "quote unquote" historic dolls. Uh-huh. It was the '90s, and all of the millennials everywhere just felt like someone stabbed them in the heart. Like <laughs> I'm historic, historic. <laughs> but yeah. also like how many millennials went out and like you know they bought it. Like mm-hmm. I don't even have kids, and I'm buying like the millennial. I, I actually do have kids, but like they were like I don't even have kids. I'm buying the millennial doll because I want to relive my inflatable <laughs> furniture, huge computer. Yes. Have a lamp live. (laughs) hundred percent. And that's something you do in, in stories. Like um, you can look back at what was popular during those timeframes. You can bring images or memes back into things, right. As like funny references, it's not going to be like your main content, um, but it's, it's good content to include throughout the year. Because again, you're, you want your audience to know that and feel like you get them and they get you and they're like, yes, yes, I totally resonate with that. You know? So that that's a way to th- how I, think about empathy and so when I'm looking through all this data I'm looking I'm looking through for all of these things I'm looking for themes of what continues to keep popping out what do we know about the customer what are things that were our pain points so one that in that first part when we do the story brand framework um, the brand script we go through and we clarify what are the exact words like we're honing it in on one thing so it can be a really nice concise um kind of like an elevator pitch, uh, pitch, if you will, of like something you can use across your website. You can create videos, all the things out of it. But then when we go into like the editorial storytelling and we continue to go deeper then of like, okay, throughout the whole year, then I do my brand storytelling blueprint process which that I created. And there's where you really start to pair then the the focused areas of three storytelling pillars um, that you're going to talk about, um, those empathy filters, and then all the data to give you a really amazing plan to build your content calendar off of for the whole year. So then you're focused, um, you're focused, you know what to focus on, your audience is not going to be confused about what the heck you do. Okay. So this is, again, so huge and worth like a second listen for sure. But all of these different things like to pay attention to when we're taking it. So, so sorry to interrupt our episode. I know we're getting really into it, but are you looking for a powerful, easy to use tool that can help you take your video to the next level? If so, I've got just the tool for you. Today's episode is brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one solution for all of your content creation needs. With Adobe Express, you can easily create stunning videos, design eye-catching thumbnails, clip and trim your videos with ease, and schedule your content for social media. One of the standout features of Adobe Express is the range of thumbnail templates that are available. With dozens of customizable templates to choose from, you can create thumbnails that are both visually appealing, informative, and help your videos stand out on that crowded home feed of YouTube. 
And when it comes to video clipping, it makes it so much easier to repurpose your content from those long form videos to all of the other vertical video platforms. And you can easily share them with a scheduling tool within Adobe Express. So if you're ready to take your content creation to the next level, head over to Adobe Express and start your free trial today. You can find the link to get signed up for today over in our show notes at womenofvideo.com. And remember, Adobe Express is the perfect tool for taking your content to the next episode. All right, back to the episode. How can we, as YouTubers and short form video creators, how can we take all of this information, all these things to consider? And then, you know, of course, like going to you as a resource and stuff as well. How do we take all of this and funnel these into these short form video content pieces so that we can connect with our audience and hopefully ultimately build a financially converting community? Yeah. I would say if you're doing this yourself, the the simplest um, thing to do when you start is to actually map out a plan. Obviously, if you're a YouTube video creator, you should think about what your plan is for the year from your content strategy. And I recommend focusing on like three buckets of storytelling uh, pillars, like I said. And so you're going to Look at some, think about your customer base, like unpack it like how I just shared. Um, StoryBrand has a free resource online you can go to just to even start mapping out that seven-part framework. Um, it's at mystorybrand.com. And so you can map things out that way yourself. Um, so that's a starting point. But then I would say the number one thing, though, really just really simple, if you're going to do one thing, is before you do create any piece of content ask yourself what's the empathy filter and if you don't know why this piece of content is going to connect heart to heart or mind to mind ideally both but not sometimes it's not always both sometimes you speak more to the mind than you do the heart if you don't have an answer for what the empathy filter is for that piece of content don't make it okay i mean that's really the simplest tip i i can give you because it's not going to matter. So then you need to change the idea of the video until it will matter to your audience. Um, it's not about you. It's about them. And you need to position all your stuff to speak to your customer, whoever you're talking to, and solving their pain points and addressing them. And then they're going to want to keep listening. They're going to want to keep engaging. And then they're going to want to start – they'll start buying because they – are like, yeah, this is great. What she has will help solve or he has will so help solve my issues. So it's simple when I lay it out like that, but it's definitely, as we know, it takes a lot of work to create this stuff. So who wants to waste time creating stuff that no one's going to look at or not be engaged with when you could like spend the time to be more focused and create things that will have a better chance of breaking through to your target audience? Okay. What's the question again? I want to isolate that. Absolutely. So you want to ask yourself, what's the empathy filter? What's the empathy filter? What is it about this piece of content that's going to actually connect with your audience's hearts or minds? And if you can't that. answer that, don't make that piece of content or tweak it until you can. So if you have like a creative brief process even or you know anything in your content calendar, make it a column in your content calendar. It's, it is in mine. It says empathy filter question mark. And I have to write it in. Like I have to tell myself like what is this tying back to um, that will make my that that my audience base wants to know about such a mic drop moment like that is i think so monumentally important and it's an important question there are so many things that we're asking ourselves and trying to figure out 
on our video content. We're planning and doing all this stuff. That's a question that I don't think anyone's ever thought to ask. Like so many things is like, how does this solve your clients or your target audiences, your customer's problem? But the fact that you're talking about connecting with mind and heart, like that's a totally different thing because people are definitely reacting emotionally to things. And mm -hmm. so this is a great way to remind us to like do that, like tap into those emotional responses so that people will do what we want them to do essentially. Yeah. Cause you know, all, all of our problems are based on something we're thinking, feeling, doing right. So they just, we're people, we're human beings. And so marketing with empathy is is so important and stories is like the top way to get through to someone's brain because again like I said in the very beginning our brains are wired for stories we want to like hear hear the thing uh, but the story just has to be kind of you know unpacked in the right way no and you're right one of the things that you also said that I think is super um controversial is Ooh. uh I you want us to plan out our content like a whole year or maybe six months at a time. I could not imagine doing that is like, a, I could see it as a YouTuber. Like one of the girls, women we've had on the channel, her name is Kristen Hill. She does quarterly. because She yeah. does like recipe content. She's like, I plan it out and I have like recording days like four times a year. My, my house is crazy and it's a mess, but like that's how we bust out our 13 recipes for the course of that time. Yeah. I don't know how you could even possibly think about doing that as a vertical video creator because things are trending, stuff changes, yeah. there's all of this stuff. So like how do how do you combat that? Yeah, totally. And so that comment will apply to some better than others. So I'm used to working with medium to very large size companies that are planning way far out in advance. So you can do that. But for folks who aren't in that situation, you still want to be thinking through holistically what your content plan is for the year. And this is where the focus is going to help you because if you know already at the start of this year that, okay, these are my three big storytelling pillars. These are the three buckets I talk about. And under each of those, these are the types of videos I create. Then you know it's not a surprise going into each quarter what types of things you need to create. And also it helps you be focused for those reactive opportunities. Like if something comes up and you can then say, does it make sense for me to react to this or not? Well, if it doesn't lie, align to your storytelling strategy, no, you don't have to chase after every shiny thing. You then can be poised to react to those things that are in your lane of things that you want to talk about. You know, so I would say, at a minimum, be thinking quarterly for sure. And that's totally fine. Three months? Heck yeah, that's great. It's amazing. If you can be thinking three months out, try to see if you can get to like 70% planned and then leave yourself a buffer for like 30% reactive. Because of course, things are going to be coming up and you got to change and ebb. But the, the goal here, again, is just like your mindset's in the right place. And you're not like looking all over and getting distracted by should I be doing this and should I be doing that? You know, you, you stay focused. It's a business made decision, not a creator made decision. And they're yeah. very different. And I think it's important. Like not everyone that's listening to this is an influencer. They're like in the, like the, the, the audience of like what's happening in my life right now. And look how hot or amazing or whatever it is I'm going through or whatever emotional situation or like, like it's not around that. It's very much around like, it could also be business and planning and, and like, having that structure, like, like me, I'm a business, I'm a business creator. 
Yeah. There's something to be said for like, I should be having my six months out and know like what I'm creating. And it's okay for me in my industry to batch everything out because I mean, there's something to be said again, like you said, for reactive, I can still add in bonus reactive content while still having a structure in place like that. That that's the moment for me. Like that's got me in my brain. Like, hmm, that's a good point. Because I remember <laughs> this is a long time ago. I went and did a tour of the Lisa Frank studios, uh-huh. like talking about nostalgia. Okay. I went and I got to check it out. And it's not as colorful as you would think it would be, but okay. it was really great. It's down because it was in Tucson, Arizona. I lived in Phoenix. And I just wanted to go and network and talk to people and like learn like how their business work, how their brand work, all of the things. And I remember it was Labor Day. And I had asked them what they were working on. Like, oh, we're working on our Valentine's Day design. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's six months away. And they're yeah. like, yeah, we're a little behind. And I was <laughs> like, yo, like that's nuts but when you when brands are doing things like when they're planning their marketing calendars and they're planning their marketing campaigns and stuff they might have a reactive social media component to what they're doing like i know disney they does. for sure yeah they for sure do yeah but they definitely have like a nope we're doing this for two years this is the campaign when i was working on the disney my side campaign Back in 2013, they launched it. It was a two-year campaign. And it was like a big deal because it was like the first time they were working with creators and influencers ever across the scope mm-hmm. from that. And so because it was kind of that idea of like we're letting go of control of our brand and we're seeing it through the eyes of our our customers and our fans is for Disney World. And obviously, it's done wonders for them because it's like I mean, it's just off the chart. Like you, they can right. charge whatever they want and do whatever they're doing. But that started 10 years ago. It was a two-year campaign, though. Two-year mm-hmm. campaign around this Disney My Side thing. And so it's like maybe we need to take a look at how big brand marketing agencies are planning their content and thinking through how they're delivering their messages before we start just re- making reactive week-by-week content. A hundred percent. There's no reason you can't be more professional in the structure you do. And when I say it, it is going to save you so much sanity and brain power because it's just going to help be more organized. Having focus gives you sanity, period. Like, so it's a little bit, it's some upfront thinking and that's going to save you a ton of time in the long term. Yes. Um, so I used to run the social team for a billion dollar retailer and um, we started social and grew it. And uh we worked with influencers. I used to manage the influencer marketing program. So since you brought that up on both sides of the fence, the people we also like to work with as influencers, um, you know, were the ones that had their stuff together, right? They had their crap together. Like they knew who their audience was. They knew they had like a very clear um, tone of voice. They knew what they wanted to talk about versus not talk about. So again, they had their pillars. They had their lane of like, I like to talk about these things. So it goes full circle. And then the brand also is looking for the right partners from that perspective. But um, you, yes, you, the last thing you want to be doing is trying to figure out what you're going to be um, publishing. And then I can give you just another tactical example too. It's not video specific, but it, they, like think of this as a parallel example. So I was the editor in chief of a big retailer's blog for for many years as part of my job, and 
when I would create the editorial calendar for the whole year for this blog, I didn't set up the, the calendar for the whole year knowing what every single post was going to be. But I set it up saying, hey, I got internal alignment on like, what are the three storytelling pillars? Then we unpacked that into monthly themes. And that then we knew whole year, these are going to be our monthly themes. These are things we're leaning into that make sense for our business, make sense culturally if things happening and going and, on. And, themes, and just to be clear, themes don't have to be kitschy things. It's not like- no. Like, eight, no. like, like, like how people sign months, like this is mental health awareness month. It's not like it that doesn't, no, okay, it doesn't have to be. If you your comp, if your company is, was really into mental health, then for sure you'd want to think about that month as something yeah. that would tie into it. But like, you can think about what you're, as you're doing all this for me, like when I go in and be that content investigator, like I said, and you're looking at all the empathy filters and the data, you're looking for those, those points of things that make sense. So maybe, and one of those things is maybe one of your pillars is health and well-being. And that's something you talk about as a brand. Well, under health and well-being, you're really interested specifically, so say mental health, like you just like you since you brought that up, but you're also, you know, your audience is really into like natural solutions. Boom. That whole month could be about, you know, natural mental health solutions. Right. I'm just making mm -hmm. this up on the cuff. But like then you can think about well, what are all the things we can talk about that are natural solutions? Who are people we can bring in to share things that they've done? What are experts, maybe influencer partners, um, collaborators? Like, let's you know, we can think about tips and infographics and, you know, podcast episodes and like all the different formats. But like you start to get through or in the summer months, maybe there's some seasonal search data that you can see of like, what are people really searching for during those months? And how does it ladder into what you like to talk about? boom, like that could be a theme for that whole month seasonally. Um, I worked uh, the billion dollar retail I worked at was sleep number. So obviously sleep and well-being was huge. And there was a, a national um, sleep better month. We that was the only like you said, kitschy, that was the only like themed month that we ever honed in on for the whole year because there was a lot of integrations with different um, sleep foundations. And so it was a great integration with a lot of different content we could do. Um, but all the other months were tied to different things that were either pain points, like you can, you can hone in on pain points that you, uh, your customer base has and like each month really go extra deep in those. And the big thing what I would say is and how we structured it was just like how I was suggesting is bake in all the stuff you know you want to talk about and leave room for reactive because it's it's life and stuff's going to come up and but then but you just don't want it to be the flip you don't want to feel like you're chasing after the reactive all the time so you don't have any time to do just like the core foundational things that you want to be known for and to help your community with oh my goodness like i think we you and i can just keep talking and talking about tactics and things that we yeah. can do to make our content and our video better if you could share this, though, maybe like a closing thought, an actionable step for us to walk away from our podcast today, what would that be? Mm. <laughs> I know we talked about a lot of different things to me. I would say the closing thought would be approach your content planning process with discipline. You want to think about what and streamline what you want to talk about. How can you be more focused to clarify your messages and lean into storytelling? Because storytelling is how your audience's brain wants to hear stories. I love that. Where can we go to learn more about you and your work and maybe work with you? 
Yeah. So um, you can check out my website at kindredspeak.com. Um, you can, I, with, I offer a free discovery call. If anyone just wants to hop on a free 30 minute call, we can kind of chat through to see if there's a, a good fit or anything I could help you with and invite everyone to connect with my uh, marketing with empathy podcast. You can find it everywhere. There's podcasts. Um, if you're in the brand storytelling space, and want to hear more examples around how to do that better. And then I'm really active on LinkedIn. So you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, this, this vast education that we got to get from you today about how we can create better videos so that we can connect better with our target audience and, and a lot of things for us to work through. This is a listen twice, take note situation, 100%. So thank you so much for that, Sarah. I really appreciate you. Remember, you and everyone listening are possibly amazing. Until next week, peace. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. 